Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Paul Norton podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by a guest all the way from Ireland. Coleman Power is a qualified personal trainer and also has a master's in organic horticulture. This was a great podcast. We dived into all things nutrition. We dived into all things vitamins. And we just had a great chat throughout, throughout the whole episode. And I could have went on for another three or four hours, but unfortunately, it was past his bedtime. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and look forward to hearing from you. All right, Paul, thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Coleman Power. Um, I'm on social media as Coleman Power Organic Fitness. So what I do is I'm an organic grower as well as a personal trainer. And I'm a firm believer in that the foods that you eat have a massive effect on the way you look, you feel, and how much energy you have. And one of my goals or one of my passions is to connect people and match people's food with the likes of their activity levels, making sure that they're eating the best of food they possibly can. I only recommend probably local. I want people to eat fresh. I want people to eat organic produce. Why? Because that's the gold standard. And we cannot talk about health. We cannot talk about optimal health, really, without mentioning the word organics. And I either show people, you either have more time or you have more money. I have a master's degree in the likes of organic uh, horticulture, as well as a, be qualified as a personal trainer. And I love putting the two together because you cannot out-train a bad diet. And I'm sure we'll be chatting a small bit about that. And uh, oh, that's my elevator pitch. <laughs> You're doing well. No, it's great to have you on here. Excited because um, obviously I've followed you on social media the last few weeks to now on. You know, you've a, you've a good old head in your shoulders and you're not far from, you're down in the, the sticks of Waterford there. Where about some Waterford are you from, actually? <laughs> I'm from Kilmeaden originally, um, not too far from the cheese factory. Yeah, about 15 minutes from the city there. I went to college in WIT. Oh, jeez, not so bad. So um, you would have had many a night out there in Carla then? No, I went to college in Waterford, in the foundry, I mean. Foundry, yeah. That was me. Jesus. <laughs> I guess the big thing is, yeah, for me, I was chatting before there, is it's about food, isn't it? Because um, there's so much people out there now, like, ranting. Not ranting, but we all know, like, losing weight is down to a carry deficit. But I think for me, like, for me, like, I, same as you, I go deeper. You have to, like, walk what's in your body. Like, I've often lost weight there. I went through um, a few years ago, just for myself there. And I lost, like, I kind of stuck to the bad foods, not bad foods, but the likes of McDonald's there and crisps and chocolate and I tracked all my calories. And yeah, I am. Um, I lost weight there, but just my gut health was absolutely horrendous. And it's, I guess nowadays it's, it's, it's everyone's trying to get the quick fix and there's kind of, there's not enough um, knowledge on good foods and, and, you know, what to get in your body. The biggest thing I find for anyone I work with is like iron levels. Everyone seems to be like iron seems to be the biggest thing to be deficient in nowadays. It is one of the four main things that I kind of do look at with people. First of which, for every protein, most people aren't eating enough protein. Protein is one of the three main macros that the body runs off. Secondly, it's fiber. If fiber keeps you fuller, it's for gut health. And then iron is another one. Iron, if you have low iron levels, okay, it's as a result of you not consuming enough high iron foods. High iron foods that you can consume. I would have a slightly plant-based approach. I have no problem in people eating the likes of meat or eggs which also contain iron or higher levels of iron and that's the heme iron which is easy more easily absorbed than the heme iron 
and I recommend people to have that when and if that's suited to their current diet. But iron is also found in dark leafy greens, which has the added advantage of fiber, which are massive, massive, and magnesium and vitamin C. So when I get people to a certain level of fitness and physique, it is due to increasing their production or the increased um, consumption of dark leafy greens, whether it be whatever's in season. I'm a major believer in eating in season as well, because nature designed foods to come into uh, fruition and come into ripeness when the body needs it. We need iron throughout the likes of the winter months and vegetables such as kale, such as Brussels sprouts, all right? And some people say they don't like the taste of Brussels sprouts. I highly recommend you firstly to get them organically. Why? Because they have higher antioxidants and antioxidants are linked with flavor. So if you want to eat foods that are not only better for you, they taste better as well. Make sure you get them organic. Secondly, start using spices. Spices such as cumin or the likes of, I'm kind of passionate about food as well. So any of the spices and a good, decent veg stock would be a game changer for you. I use this bouillon in any every stir fry that I have. Okay, I'm a one pot man, I live on my own. Everything all goes into the one pan. Uh, it could be tofu, it could be tempeh, which also have a complete protein for those people who are thinking of going on a plant-based diet or even are leaning towards a vegetarian vegetarian or a vegan diet. I'm not a vegetarian, I'm not a vegan, as I said, but I am someone who's certain that the foods that I have that benefit me, I help people find those things. Okay, making sure that they have, as I said, touching on the things, protein and fiber magnesium, iron, all those things are common deficiencies in individuals. And following that, another one is vitamin B12. Okay, if you are going plant-based, which is quite quite topical at the minute to go vegan for sustainability, what's important is to look after your own health first, okay, and making sure that you're hitting your likes, your B vitamins. The B vitamins are found in all meat sources and in eggs, and they cannot be consumed on a plant-based diet, so you have to take supplements there. So I have that whole foods approach first. So eat whole foods first and then supplement. Literally what the word supplement means, supplement what you can. So that'll be my approach towards people that I would take on or that I mentor or that I coach. Yeah, as Brussels spoke is a funny one. I wouldn't, um, my brother home there during Christmas, he'd have buckets. He'd, he'd ate them like he was like a pig in a trough. He just ate away. Whereas I couldn't, and granny, my granny, my granny is the same. Granny would, She'd fucking she'd ate, you know she'd ate handfuls of um brussels sprouts which for me like it's never got into them really like what what is that is that the best one you reckon would that be the best vegetable what's the best vegetable you reckon for overall in your opinion or overall it's kind of like asking me what's my favorite child um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, specifically I'd have, in each and every season I'd have to pick a different one because that's when they come into their each vegetable isn't around 365 days a year, if you know what I mean. So mm. um, if I was to pick a favorite vegetable, oh, Jesus, you put me on the spot. Yeah, hard question. Um, <laughs> I have a major fan of, we'll call it the likes of spinach. Why? Because it contains iron, it contains magnesium, and magnesium is super beneficial for anybody who's starting to improve their overall health. Why? Because magnesium reduces anxiety. Right now, we could do it in abundance, okay? Get it into your smoothies. If you don't like the taste of it, mix it in with berries. That's a way of concealing it. Another way is, I really like, I'm fond of spinach, is contains the likes of an antioxidant called lutein and zeaxanthin. I love antioxidants, okay? I love the 
benefits that foods give you and understanding why and what what benefits they do have makes it a hell of a lot easier and much more likely for people to consume. So lutein and zeaxanthin is just one of those antioxidants found in spinach. And as a result of that, improves blood flow to the back of the eye. And when you improve blood flow to the back of the eye, you're able to concentrate more. So anyone who's doing studies or anyone who's working from home right now, the added advantage of adding in the likes of spinach to a smoothie or to your greens is super important. But vitamin C is found in spinach and it increases the life of your iron absorption. So if you are low iron levels and you do have low iron, it's worth adding in spinach with a protein source such as maybe meat that might aid and decrease absorption of iron would really help. And that's important, especially typically I train high percentage of women and women are typically lower in iron than men why because they need nearly double the requirement and that's as a result of their menstruation cycle and it's important that people know that instead of just saying the fact that oh get into a calorie deficit and you lose lose weight understand foods have a better relationship with foods because anybody can lose weight but it's important to have and understand that what foods do what for the body and breaking it down to its most simplest form so that and i and that, I, that's what i preach I, I practice what i preach i eat nothing but clean cut foods show people exactly what's inside them what's it good for how does it increase your energy levels and if i didn't ever know the answer i'd look it up and i'd tell them straight i'd look them straight in the eye or through a video call and tell them i don't know the answer but i'm sure as hell going to find out for you um and that'll be my kind of sixpence on my favorite veg if i went on a spiel there sorry for it. <laughs> <laughs> all right it's a good topic yeah iron iron is is massive my females and even for even magnesium is a massive, it seems to be floating on as well. A lot of people feel that they're magnesium deficient, but they're probably not, to be fair. Like, I um, I take, uh, I'm a little on zinc there, I guess, because I take zinc tablets because I've got kind of bad skin. But I suppose what's, what's, a good, um, what's a good food full of zinc? What would you recommend, though, for a man looking for more? Pumpkin seeds would be a good alternative for zinc. And it's important, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's the opposite um, vitamin that women aren't as low in, but men typically are. So as I said, the menstruation cycle is typically uh, depleting women's iron levels. But for men, it's uh, it's our ejaculation. We lose a lot of zinc to our, our, our <laughs> whatever we'd be up to in the evenings. <laughs> <laughs> That's meat, red meat is another good, um, <laughs> red meat is another good one for uh, zinc um, and oysters, things like that. Fish. You still there? You all still good? there? Yeah. No, just, just a bit of a just a bit of a pause. I let it anyhow, but just a bit of a bloody pause there. That's um yeah, that's that's a funny one. Ejaculation of zinc. That's I never knew that at all. Now, do you have me worried now? <laughs> <laughs> you want to calm down? You want to calm down? This lockdown is treating you well. Treating you too well. <laughs> all these um. Cheers, massive. I, I I do the old questions on the social media, and there's this, there's this um, one letter always comes on every single time. He goes, "How's the sex life?" Every single time, "How's sex life?" It's um, quite like there was the stuff you get asked on social media. It's good old fun though. I do that from Kevin there, and every time you're saying, "How's sex life?" Every single day, lady, he'd put on these um, same questions. But that's um, that's mad zinc. Yeah, I didn't even didn't even know that that happens. Yeah, because because I've noticed uh, even a lot of my um. Now that you mentioned that, a lot of my male clients I had in the gym floor, they had kind of skin problems as well. You know, they'd have kind of, they'd have bad hands or they might have, you know, nails a bit fatigue. So obviously that's, um, there's obviously a link there between that then and low zinc, isn't it? Mm, there certainly is. And other things with 
to, to improve your skin complexion. Overall, it's adding in high omega-3, either healthy fats. Okay, so maybe a major believer in the likes of flax seeds or chia seeds. Why? Because they're anti-inflammatory from the likes of swelling. And adding in those foods, it's kind of like an opportunity cost. You're adding in foods, so you're less likely to have highly processed foods. And highly processed foods are inflammatory, which means it's going to cause a reaction in your body. And then typically we come out in spots and or even dryness in around your face. So adding in the likes of chia seeds in your smoothies, in your breakfast, and steeping them overnight is going to aid in the absorption of those omega-3 healthy fats. And omega-3s and omega-6s are found in also uh, fish, oily fish is something that can also help with your skin complexion. And following that, why healthy fats I'm a major fan of. It's something that people end up taking out. People say to lose weight, take out fats in your diet, low-fat yogurts, low-fat sprays, which... Typically, that's not what I recommend to people. Why? Because that's not helping them be and increase their energy levels. Okay, fats are so important in the diet. As I said, they're one of the three main macros. They are higher in calories, but the whole idea is just something in calories doesn't mean you, shouldn't, you should take it out from your diet. They're nutrient-dense foods. And the advantage of adding in the likes of not only omega-3s, but healthy fats into your diet is it improves the absorption of fat-soluble vitamins. That's vitamin A, which is so good for your skin. Okay, found in abundance in carrots, all right? Granny Morph, don't boil the shite out and make sure that <laughs> you're lightly steaming them, put them into stir-fries, or you can even make your own sauerkraut, which I get with people that are into, like people that I take on are really kind of mad into, we call it cooking from scratch. And that's what I like too, because I was rare in the house that we cooked and made things that were grown in the garden and, bringing it into the house and then making up whatever was there and ready in season. So all those things are just simple things to improve your diet. Just always remember that every vitamin and mineral that's found on a shelf in a little packet in a tablet form comes from a vegetable. It's derived from each and every vegetable. There isn't a vitamin that's out there. It doesn't, can't be found in a, in a fruit or vegetable, if you get me. So another big question that I always get asked too, I suppose, is, again, there's this big debate um, about, you know, frozen veg, you know, frozen veg and fresh veg, and I've seen that again lately. I'm probably you're putting me to shame here, as as you were saying, you're more of a producer, as I'm more of a consumer. I probably spend too much time on social media, but I'm always kind of searching and learning and kind of seeing what's going on. And another big trend I've seen lately is this argument with people, you know, saying that frozen veg is better than fresh veg and 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 that kind of stuff. So I guess it'd be good to have your opinion on the frozen veg and the fresh veg. Obviously, for me, like fresh veg any day. No, it's a great question. It often comes up and I even get asked it. And I've had it in a couple of my Q&As and I have a, a section of it in one of my podcast episodes. It's really what I firstly say to someone is you're worrying about the small and minuscule tiny things. But on the grand scheme of things, if you actually had either it fresh or frozen, it's better than none. So the whole idea of it is dependent on where you are, what foods you can eat and what foods you can get depending on your situation and, or your financial income on a weekly or a monthly basis. Fresh is typically going to be better for you. Why? Because it loses its nutritional value the second you harvest it or take it out of the ground. So that's just something that's as basic as call a spade a spade. But you can also have, we'll call it something that's quote unquote, it was fresh when it's harvested, then it depends on when and how long it's been sitting in that shop. So I can harvest something on a Monday, okay, gets sitting, left, left, sit a, brought off, picked up in a truck, goes to a shop, 
sits there for four days, that's five days, gets home to your fridge, sits one day, two day, three days, you don't use it then for, we can say five days. That's up since something's been harvested and you were the end consumer then cooking it. And following that then, that was quote unquote, that was fresh corn. You told me this was of higher nutritional quality. Then you can flip down its head, something such as we call it French beans can be picked at the same day, frozen, and all the nutrients or the majority of the nutrients are kept and retained in that. So you can say that you'll have a study, which I'm not, I'm a major believer in peer review documents, but you can get a study to say anything. So the fact is that mm. some person might pull out a stat saying, oh, well, the actually nutrition value of frozen veg is higher than fresh. Well, where was the fresh veg sitting or did you get it at your local country market or did you grow it yourself? Or as I said, you literally can get a study to say anything. So, um, that's been Devagas advocate and playing both uh, teams on that one. You can get studies to, you can get studies to, for everything, isn't it? It's, it's unbelievable. No, and that's always going to be the case because, and whenever you're looking at a study, it's important to see who's funding it. And just while we're bringing up the likes of studies and we're talking about foods, <clears throat> there's something that is so so strongly i have this belief that when people are talking about health you have to talk about fresh you have to talk about organic produce why because the main difference between conventional and organic is it doesn't contain harsh chemicals such as glyphosate glyphosate is the carcinogenic that has been proven in numerous studies and i'm a firm believer in that if we can we should eliminate it we should ban it because it's it's killing, it's killing the soil, and that's where the nutrients come from. Because if we don't have the nutrients in the soil, they can't be in the vegetable. And then we're the end consumers of it. And you're, again, we can go on to Department of Agriculture is mentioning the fact that it's only in small amounts. Well, I sure as hell know what I'd rather small amounts of in my diet, and it sure as hell is not harsh chemicals or anything close to causing the likes of cancer and chronic illnesses following that. So, and that's one of the reasons why I'd be a firm believer in, in educating people and telling people that I want people to be their best. And how do you be your best? You eat the best in your current situation. And if I didn't say this already, the fact is you either have more time or you have more money. It costs very, very little to pick up a packet of seeds and starting in January and spring based over here in Ireland or wherever you are in the world with listening to this podcast. And it's time. And it's something that I'm a firm believer in as well. The fact is, it's not easy to grow, but it takes time, it takes attention. And when you look after something such as your fitness, okay, you will consistently see a result. If things are not going right for you, if you're not watering the plant, if you're not feeding yourself regularly, what's going to happen? It's going to not look as be- as good as it could. It's going to be below optimal. And I use those analogies to so many different comparisons between the likes of growing and fitness and or, or your your own health. And the thing is, if you can look after a plant or a seed from sowing it all the way to harvesting a crop, a healthy crop out of it, you can do the exact same with your fitness. That's unreal. Yeah, I worked um I I worked with because I, I farm back home as well. So like I've been farming for like, you know, as I said before, all the years, but I worked with a farmer down the road for me, like and um you know, he used to go everything. He used to he used to have a small he has a, probably an acre or, or two in the back garden and used to sow the spuds and the you know, the cabbage and the carrots and used to have a greenhouse there with the oranges and the strawberries and the blackberries. And it like, it was unreal, like the difference in the food, like coming from the ground. And like, you know, we used to plant the potatoes, you know, put the dung on top of the potatoes and cover them and watch them grow. Like it's, it's unreal. Like, and the difference in the food, like to me is a good example too, is like uh, free range eggs. I like, I love, I love eggs. Like some, someday I'll turn into a chicken, I reckon. 
Um, I'd have four or five eggs a day there, but <laughs> there's some difference in organic eggs and normal eggs. Like it's Similar. like it's organic eggs. There, you know, creamy, lovely, fresh eggs. Whereas you get just say caged eggs, very much like there's. So to me, I can see a huge difference in organic, even like chicken, like organic chicken and normal chicken. It's just two different, um, two different categories. And that's that's down due to the feed. So the main difference, and glad you brought it up, the difference firstly between free range and organic is the land firstly that they're on. So the land could be sprayed with a chemical such as Roundup, and then we are the end consumer then of that chicken or that chicken's produce. Secondly, it's the main difference when something is registered organic, it's the feed. So corn is something that can be heavily sprayed and is either produced in America on a large scale or in uh, Europe. And to speed up the harvesting process, it can be sprayed off. And as a result of that, then corn and the meal for the chickens, that's typically, which is typically fed to the animals, is and has been sprayed with the likes of that glyphosate. And then again, whatever the chickens eat, you are what you eat. We're the end consumer. But as you look, yeah, like I, I worked in America, worked in New Zealand, worked back home and England as well, and like a lot of chemicals. Like, geez, I, I was spraying there for about. Oh, I spread like everywhere. It's unspraying on all over, and yeah, a lot of food does get. So when you say organic, organic then is is no sprays, no chemicals, just pure. The definition of organic means that it's registered with a governing body. So there are typical governing bodies based in every country. So for Ireland, the one that I registered with is Organic Trust. So that means that we're regularly tested. We have to grow to a conversion period of land, a minimum of two years, or you can get a shortened conversion period from one from two years to one, if you have a sworn affidavit that the land hasn't been used in the last five years, any chemicals on it. And as a result of that, then there's a yearly inspection. And following that, each and every 12 months, you have to have an annual returns form filling in where your seeds were bought, where they're registered. If you used any added fertilizers, any chemical, any chemicals. But the definition then of something that being organic is it doesn't have or use the likes of harsh chemicals or synthetic fertilizers. Synthetic fertilizers are made from petrol or petroleum. So that's the fertilizer or the pellets that you might see in the back of a tractor as you're driving past in a summer month. You see all the white pellets flying around. Those are typically synthetic fertilizers. The, the uses are in organic uh, method is the use of maybe crop rotation to reduce pest and diseases and adding in farmyard manure, which is a renewable source. Okay. And as well as that, people are talking about veganism and everyone should be on that type of diet because it's cruelty to animals animals can especially on organic farms i am um, i'm working with an organic farm based in kildare featherfield farm and they have there's the most happiest cows i've ever seen dexter cows they're immature cows they're no bigger they're like a shetland pony version of a cow they're small they're cuddly and i would hands on heart say i've never seen happier cows because they're fed and they're treated with utmost care and as a result of that then they're naturally fertilizing the soil and there's local growers around them that have and produced the likes of tomatoes and they use that dung they use that manure instead of shipping something in that comes halfway across the world with vitamins and minerals that have been used and made with synthetic fertilizers that are causing negative effects on the environment firstly from the transporting from a to b and secondly in the use of petroleum which is not sustainable long term and it's about using and consuming foods that benefit not only us but also the environment and that's what organic foods does okay it's not only beneficial for us it's also beneficial for the environment ah huge difference like and i'm going to show me is no I, I always said like when i get a bit older i'm old enough now but 
never get my own place at alone. Like, uh, you know, that's the best thing is like, you have a small vegetable garden in the backyard. If you've got, if you've got kids there, like you having kids there with having your own vegetable garden in the, like same as you, you were the same. You grew up like same as me, growing your own spuds and, you know, carrots and everything. You've seen it from the fresh ground. And it makes you appreciate food a quite a lot more like than if you were to buy it in the package. Because even now, like I'm 30 now, like, and I still watch what I eat, like, and I try, I try my best to get the organic, try to get the fresh, I try not waste food. Whereas if I wasn't brought up with seeing, you know, fresh from the ground and seeing the benefits, you know, it's just a different lifestyle, isn't it? And I'm glad we're touching on this point. People don't value food. They, no. because these large scale, I'm going to call spade a spade, little and Aldi's, they're able to sell vegetables and fruits for 49 cents. And when I produce and sow a tomato seed in February and it grows February, March, April, May, June. June and July is the first of the tomatoes you're going to get. And somebody expects me to sell it for 49 cents. It's not even close and comparable to the same thing. It's like months and months of watering, of weeding, of the transplanting, of the sowing the seed, and then the harvesting, and then putting it into a crate and bringing it to a restaurant, a shop, a cafe, or bringing it directly to the consumer. It cannot, it's something cannot be sold and for 49 cents. Because the price of that food isn't paid at the counter. It's paid far, far before that in the use of something synthetic fertilizers or in the mistreatment of uh, workers that have been shipped in from other countries to pick it for an umpteen amount of cents to be able to make some sort of a profit or be able to sell it at 49 cents. It's not the same thing. And you know by tasting it, you'd know yourself. And that's what I do with people. I get people, I just say, okay, if you can get that tomato for 49 cents, can I taste some of the tomatoes? And I taste the tomato and say, mm, it's a nice tasting tomato. Would you like to try one of these tomatoes? And they'd say, of course I would. I'd love to try one of them. And one of the varieties that I know are quite sweet. Sun Gold is one of the varieties that I highly recommend for people to grow. And tomatoes are super crop. So they take it out of my hand or take it out of the, the box or the crate that I have. And they taste it and they go, that's unreal. And I say, yeah, and they're not for 49 cents. And that's the difference. The taste is a difference. And it's the antioxidants is a taste because antioxidants are linked with flavor and their health benefits. And they have, and that's scientifically, that has been proven, the fact that organic food is higher antioxidants than conventional. And then sometimes we're going to, you might even come up, and this might come up in the podcast later. Some people say, there's no difference, okay? There's no nutritional value difference. You can have that one. You can have it if, if you really believe that study, that's absolutely fine. What I'm going to say is it's not always what's in it, it's what's not in it. Good point. That's a great point. <laughs> I'm glad you brought me on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what's well, um, there's no there's no avocados back home, is there? Not growing on and no, they wouldn't have we wouldn't have the temperatures at all. Because avocados are they're, they're again they're an expensive they're expensive but they're big over here especially in the Zealand there just avocados is unbelievable over this far. Would you be an avocado fan? You would. I would. I would be an avocado fan, and then you could get lashbacks of saying that that's that's not something that can be grown in Ireland. But again, I'm for optimal health, and when I do get avocados, I would highly recommend people to consume them either organically as best they could but and remember that there's actually I'm glad we can touch on it now there's a dirty dozen and there's a clean 15 if you ever haven't ever heard of this I highly recommend the listeners to look it up each year it changes okay but as a general rule okay there's a dirty dozen so there's a 12 listed fruits and vegetables per year that are listed that are harshly that are heavily sprayed with harsh chemicals so 
as a general rule, okay, it's this typically the ones you want to get organically are the ones where the sprays come in contact with the part of the fruit that we eat. Right. So up there each and every year, strawberries, soft fruits, berries, any berries, because if they're being sprayed, we eat the fruit, we eat the flesh. Next ones after that then typically found are any greens, because if there are sprays, we're eating the foliage of the spinach, the kale, the likes of any of your salads. And you have kiwis, you have potatoes, peppers are ones, cucumbers are typically up in that list. And again, it varies slightly each and every year. And then you have the likes of the clean 15. So just a couple of examples, avocados would be quite up there high on that list due to the fact that you don't typically eat the likes of the skin of the avocado. But just to let you on a little fact that anyone else who listens to this podcast, I buy organic avocados and I would eat the skin of them just for added fiber. Jesus. <laughs> Holy moly, you're you're didn't um, beat in Waterford. <laughs> I know. Oh yeah, I must put that on Instagram. I'm sure that'll get a couple of likes. <laughs> it's tough old skin, avocado skin. Holy moly. Yeah. You, you but there are different varieties, I'm gonna point that out. Just like there are different varieties of potatoes, tomatoes, um cucumbers are, like there's not just one potato. Uh, but there's different types of tomatoes. There's different types of avocados, and there's one variety. I don't know the types of the varieties, but I can tell you there's two main types. I mean, I know one has a, a we'll call it a more soft and supple type um, flesh skin, and as opposed to the other one, it's more like a dinosaur's like or candy slipper. It's tough. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> that. That's for sure. And I'll tell you from, from past experience. Yes, <laughs> candy slipper. Holy moly. <laughs> I heard that in a while. Jez, we're done with spuds there. Yeah, I don't think people realise um, it's kind of funny when people think of Irish to think of all spuds, but um, there's a lot of spuds in Ireland. Like, there's there, there must be seven or eight different types of spuds, is there? There must be in Ireland. So. Oh, there's, man, there's much more than that. And I'm growing a couple of different varieties, and one that I'm, uh, I'm actually doing two different, very interesting things with potatoes. First day I'm growing a variety of potato that is purple through and through. God, do you use the video? I can nearly go in and get one into the kitchen there now. It's oh, a purple yeah. potato, similar. Yeah? yeah use the video on YouTube. I sure we'll, we'll, we'll give it a go. Oh, yeah. So I have a purple uh, variety and it's called Violetta. It'll literally take me less than 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we got it. Okay, there's a purple potato. To, uh, me and you, it's the basis of carbohydrate, but the added advantage when I snap it open, jeez, I'm a tank. <laughs> it's purple. <laughs> I should have. <laughs> it's purple through and through. So just to point out what that actually is, right? It's an. It's been selectively bred like that, and what is contained in here is the same antioxidants as blueberries, but it's a hell of a lot cheaper, and potatoes grow a hell of a lot easier as well in Ireland compared to blueberries. Jeez, that's um, that's mad, isn't it? So when you when you compare that to just say a curry pink, what's the difference? Different color, color would be the main difference, right? And so the nutritional value such as that antioxidant being purple. So antioxidants are linked with color as well as taste. So that antioxidant is anthocyanin. Okay, so that's found in all purple um, fruits and vegetables such as blueberries and beetroot should be another one to be extremely high 
in anthocyanins and that benefits your body in the fact that it improves your cognitive function and it's something so brain function so the fact that people don't consume enough purple foods like if i'm to ask or people listening right now to this podcast whenever it does come out is the fact that in your own head if you can remember the last thing you had that was purple typically they're going to say blueberries but the, the disadvantage to that is that it has sugars okay which is further can cause an insulin spike but potatoes are lower sugar as compared to a fruit and something that people are not consuming enough of and that's that's something i'm a major believer in try and add color to your diet you know there's a lot of these things uh, dietitians and people are into food and nutrition it's eat the color eat the rainbow and the vitamin and mineral that people say what's the best vitamin and mineral the best vitamin and mineral is the one that you're not consuming on a regular basis and there's not enough people eating the likes of purple color foods such as either beetroot which is also high in iron that we touched on earlier and purple potatoes that's funny coming into now and i'm growing myself here based in uh, west Cork. jesus christ and how does that work then with sweet potatoes because obviously sweet potato you can get you can get different types can't you, you can get purples orange i'd be a sweet potato yeah. man now i like sweet potatoes to be fair yeah, no, I, I, there again, they're slightly hot. They're a different family compared to the potatoes. So they're from the Salinaceae family is the potato. But sweet potato off the top of my head, I don't actually know their family. But the nutrition value is quite similar. And it's a good point that you brought it up. White potatoes and, well, I won't put purple potatoes in that category. So white potatoes and sweet potatoes, white potatoes over sweet potatoes have been kind of demonized as white potatoes make you fat. They certainly don't. And it's a simple single ingredient that I'd have on a, on a relatively regular basis in my diet. And, I don't ever tell anybody to take out carbohydrates. I don't ever tell anybody to take out fats or protein in their diet. But to demonize potatoes is, in my eyes, is a sin. It's such a simple food that can be easily grown in Ireland. And I'm a firm believer in people either growing a little bit of their own, and potatoes are a handy one for anyone starting off. You literally put a tuber into the ground, and a couple of um, months later down the line, you have a, an edible, organically grown <laughs> vegetable that's just something that's single ingredient that is a carbohydrate which is the body's first source of energy and for people to say that we should go keto which is big in january whenever this does come out please don't do keto it's it's not for the general public i've tried that diet it's not sustainable you do have an increase in energy but it's more for people who have a do the likes of endurance because it's an endless supply of energy that that's you're always going to have a certain amount of percentage of body fat on you on your body, which can be used as a fuel source. But to say that to lose weight, we should try a ketogenic diet. Taking out any one of the three main macros, in my personal opinion, is not something that's sustainable and it's not something that's healthy for the body. Okay, just because the body can run off fats doesn't mean that we should do it. It's it's too e it's too e it's like an easy option to take out fats from the or sorry take out carbohydrates from the diet. And carbohydrates get demonized due to the fact that it's something that people overconsume, but it's not, it's not an overconsumption of single ingredients such as potatoes. It's not an overconsumption of single ingredients such as carbohydrates, such as oats. Those are two complex carbohydrates that I highly recommend to people to add into their diet and take out highly processed carbohydrates because that's what comes in. If you eat buns, you eat cakes, you eat sugars, you eat desserts, those things are carbohydrates as well, which bump you up into the category of higher uh, carbohydrate intake for that day and that's where people get into the confusion with oh carbohydrates are bad no food is good or bad thinking is making it so and what i want people to do is realize that a single ingredient if you're eating vegetables such as a potato or if you're eating a, a grain or an oat 
such as uh, Flavins, Organic Oats, or an Irish product, like I've been a water for man, I'm a firm believer in people should start having that for breakfast. Why? Because the slow release of energy. I don't mind people saying, oh, what time should I have breakfast or should I do intermittent fasting? I recommend people to have breakfast whatever time they like. Everybody's different. And in saying that it's a perfect time where we should try intermittent fasting, again, we should try intermittent fasting is something that I wouldn't recommend to people. I want rec- people to understand foods before they pick a diet. Understand what a carbohydrate is. Understand what a, where protein, what are high protein foods, what are high fat foods, what are low fat foods. And then from that, pick and choose whatever diet suits you because there's no one diet that suits everyone. Okay, if I was to give you my diet right now, Paul, it wouldn't suit you. Why? Because it'd be extremely high in fiber and it'd cause you excess amount of bloating. So what I do is I don't give people a one listed items of foods that they should consume. I tailor plans. I look at their current diet and add tweaks to it. And from that, then you can make a diet that suits them, that they can do long term and that they know that they can go and get those foods local, fresh, and they can cook them or you can do a small bit of growing on their own and you're onto a winner if you're you're doing that kind of and incorporating that into your diet. Yeah, I've got very similar taste. I'm the exact same as that, like the exact same. I think like when you look at my analogy is like that, you know, if you if we get a tailored suit or a tailored dress, like that that dress might fit you there, but it's not gonna fit, you know, you sally down the road. I think that's with diets is that there's no one plan fits all and um if you want to use keto or paleo or whatever diet works for you, that's fair enough. But I guess the thing about diet is that people look at diets as in diet is fat loss and weight loss. And again, that's where probably me and you are very similar as we see diets in a different aspect. You know, as I was saying before, a lot of people say, you know, diets is for fat loss and weight loss and all that stuff. But it's not really a diet is for your health and your well-being, your mental health and, you know, how you feel. Whereas, I think mean, this day and age now, when people say diet, instantly think of oh, diet means fat loss and weight loss. You know, if I have a diet, whereas really a diet is about having good food, you know, good fresh food, feeling good, feeling mentally strong. And it's very same as you say keto. Yeah, you can do a keto diet and you, you lose water weight. And I think when we look at, especially in Ireland, when you look at like, when people think foods are bad, it's up that uh, potatoes are bad. Nothing's bad, but I suppose I know my granny. When I when I go to my granny, she'll have probably you know probably fifteen kg of spuds on the plate, you know a bit of vegetables, and then she'll have you know two kg of butter in the in, in the potatoes. And that's where you probably the misconception comes in because when you have your potatoes and stuff, especially Irish grannies, they'll just lace on the butter, they lace in the duck fat, they'll just. I think that's where people then this whole thing of all. Oh, you know this but it's not the players are bad it's just too much training is going to obviously make you gain weight but i guess the difference i'd like the same as you is to get people to understand is that a diet is not about weight loss or fat loss a diet is about your overall health isn't it it's like when you um, put fuel in the car like you know you put fuel in the car it's not about how fast you can go it's about like just being able to stay going yeah and touching on the likes of I, I try even go towards even using the word diet. It's it's a lifestyle. You mm. choose the foods that you like. You choose the foods that you enjoy and that you can cook and that you can get fresh and you can get local. That'll be my approach to it. And instead of saying that I'm on this diet, I'm on that diet. I eat vegetarian meals. I eat vegan meals. Mm. I eat carnivore meals. I eat snacks. I eat raw vegetables. I even eat avocados with the skin. We've already determined that. <laughs> But the thing is, find, finding what works for you. 
finding things that you like and you enjoy. And I'm a firm believer in when I come home from days of work either outside or from training, I have to be able to cook a meal in under 15 minutes. Quickest meal I can cook is all in one pan in about eight minutes, okay? It's literally, you can, one of the ones that come to mind is kind of a, an omelette style one. Okay, I'm cracking in four eggs. I have either some potatoes that are in the fridge, previously cooked, there's my carbohydrates, put them on the pan, then I have extra virgin olive oil, which is high in omega-3, which increases absorption of fat, soluble vitamins. Following that then, you have onions, garlic, on a winner, and I do any green that's here. You hit a spinach, you can have oriental salads, rocket, minsuna, all in one pan, sprinkle in the likes of veg stock. That's your three main macros. That's cooked in under 10 minutes without fail, all in the one pot. Okay, if you want to be really lazy, you can eat it straight out of the pot or pour it onto a plate. <laughs> serve for two, serve for three, serve for one. Or what I'm a firm believer in as well, really helps people, that helps me and helps other people too, what helps you, is the fact that you can have last night's dinner as tomorrow's lunch. Because people talk about meal prep, it's so much effort, all this meal prep. You cook from single ingredient foods, you cook double the amount and you're started for the next day for your lunch. And then that's your breakfast, you're typically at home anyway. So you're laughing. So that's over 66% of your foods for the day. Done, ticked, off the list, and you're on to a winner. I think it's education, isn't it? Like that's, that's quite a good way. Just when you speak about oils, what's, um, this is one thing that I've had my clients with recently is because um, when you look at like, especially over here, like is, you know, you get your, your, your thing of olive oil. I think that for me, like I'm quite big with, again, just helping people understand like food and, and obviously then the energy balance in food. And for me, like I've noticed I do a lot. I just look at the labels and stuff and the likes of olive oil, just saying you know, olive oil is obviously, it's a, it's a, a main nutrient, but it's quite high in energy balance. So what would your thoughts be on using you know, olive oil to, to dash the pan or using your spray. Do you know what you get the differences that? between the two? Um, it, it's a good point that you use. I would lean towards using an extra virgin olive oil for medium to low heat. Firstly, why? Because it is a fat soluble, or sorry, it increases absorption of fat soluble business, which you touched on. But when people are switching over to low calorie sprays, that's really only a short term solution and it's not the fact that that's not their problem their problem isn't the oils predominantly it's their overconsumption of processed foods if you're taking out processed foods you have more energy levels why because you're sticking to cleaner ingredient foods and following that then you have the advantage of using a cooking oil such as extra virgin olive oil which i highly recommend to people because of its antioxidant properties and it's medium to smoke high smoke point and if you are cooking things such as that meal that I just mentioned, I can cook under 10 minutes, I typically switch on over to another type of healthy fat, such as coconut oil. Why? Because it has a higher smoke point. And what I mean by, just to break it down for the listeners, is a smoke point means that it doesn't um, go off and have a negative effect on its cooking properties when it's cooked at high temperature. So the higher smoke point, the higher heat you can turn that pan up to. So if you have extra virgin olive oil and you're cooking at a six or on the red, depending on what cooker you have, and it starts to smoke, it causes oxidative stress. Oxidative stress can cause negative effects on the body when we consume that. So it's best to know, there's no, and again, another question I often get asked, what's the best type of oil? The best type of oil depends on what you're cooking for and what temperatures. So for higher cooking temperatures, so firstly we go to medium to low, that's extra virgin olive oil. 
Why do I recommend that over coconut oil? Due to the fact that it has omega-3 and omega-6 in its composition. Okay, saturated fats then found in coconut oil have a higher smoke point, which is often necessary when you're cooking a quick meal done and dusted in under 10 minutes, as I said. Even a higher smoke point on top of that then is what's found in avocado oil. So these are all oils that you're going to find and other oils that can be used is hemp oil, but that's a lower smoke smoke point, but that's extremely high. That's higher than extra virgin olive oil in omega-3s than compared to olive oil, but it has a lower smoke point. So knowing all these small things, and these are only, these are incremental or small little improvements that I get people to do depending on their fitness level. But for the majority of people, then it's focusing in on old foods and not worry, being worried about should I switch from one oil to the next oil to this oil. That's that's kind of on a different level. As you progress up your health and fitness and trying to be a healthier version of you, you start to look in at the smaller things that can bring you on another couple of percent. That's it. I suppose the big thing there, the big thing there is separate. You know, you're you're separating the you know you know, health and then, you know, fat loss, weight loss, because then when you just, you know, that's the, I think that's the big, big, big difference is that other people are trying to mix it too, whereas for, for my client to say, the best way is, you know, is to obviously keep the food as good as possible also. And I, I like my clients like tracking as, you know, tracking all the small stuff. So like the likes of like having as much greens and stuff as you can and all the vegetables. But then when it comes to like, just say oils and stuff, it's about like, tracking them small little things because if you're looking at weight loss and fat loss just you know tracking them small things makes all the difference but i'm a big believer in like you know when i get my clients to have any kind of food it's just as just fill the fill the plate of greens as much greens possible big rainbow and then i do get them just to i like them just to be able to have an idea like of you know because if you if you've got i've got clients who before who you know they might have less as arguments sake if you're pull numbers out of the sky there is they put you know 100 grams of coconut oil into the pan there and let's just say 100 grams of coconut oil is about 900 calories whereas if i can get someone to put in like you know two tablespoons and get the same you know flavor in the food that's going to help them in the long run but i suppose it's, it's people everyone understand like just how to manage it and it's like when you manage your bank balances is um when you're looking at foods and and all this this calorie talk is that when you, if you want to go buy a house or buy a car or whatever way you track you're going to manage your finances. So it's very same as the weight loss and fat loss journey is that if you're looking to, whether it be, you know, lose the dress size, you have to be able to manage your finances and manage the good foods. And, you know, it's um, when you start looking in like food, it's crazy. Like when you start, you know, processed foods and all the other stuff and even comparing, like it's just having knowledge, isn't it? You know, like if you're looking at weight loss and fat loss and you have a handful of just almond nuts, you know, them almond nuts could, have more energy balance than a bar of chocolate, or, or, you know, but then obviously the nuts then is going to be like 20 times more beneficial for the gut and your hormones compared to chocolate bar. So I suppose a lot of people get so confused and understanding the two differences, isn't it? Uh, well, and it's a really good point you bring up. It's about learning what I call it. I break it down to people and I'm trying to get them to learn more about foods is it's like checking your tax and your, your, um, what's taken out of your wages each and every month. Once you look up the nutrition value, how much protein, how much fats, how much carbs are in a food item, you kind of know generally, oh yeah, that's how much protein is in an egg. Six grams of protein, three grams of fats, zero carbs. 
oh, so that's how much tax is taken out of my wages and PRSI and whatever other tax the government are taking off me. Now I don't ever have to check that again. Oh, I'm going to look up the nutritional value or how much carbs are in the one serving of oats. Uh, 40 grams of oats is 25 grams of carbs. Oh, I now know that. Very little uh, fats, small incremental amounts of um, protein. And as a result of that, again, I don't have to look that up. And you learn from these things. It's like your times tables. Once you look them up once or twice, you're onto a winner and you have, you have them off in your, your, your head. It's unreal. So also we get to the, what, what's your um, alcohol? Another big one that comes up the whole time. Alcohol and coffee. What's your, what's your big, what's your best for, what's your best, your best drink for starters? Do you shot man? Do you go for the you Guinness? <laughs> what's my best drink? Um, it's funny you're asking me that question. We're talking about nutritional health. We should try to stay away from those beverages as much as we possibly can. <laughs> but there are, there are th- and things, and I, I do have a beverage or two, but I must uh, point out, it's not the majority of the time. I, I don't go out on a regular basis as much as I used to during college, going to the foundry or you're passing <laughs> yourself there <laughs> inside the Waterford or WIT. But uh, it's what you do the majority of the time. I, the majority of the time, I don't go out at the weekend and drink. The majority of the time, I don't overconsume on processed foods. But what I do do when I have um, beverages or drinks or occasions where I go out with family members, I either would take the opportunity to train that day. I could take out a carbohydrate for my breakfast, having overnight oats with courgette, courgette grated in. Why? Because that's going to reduce down the likes of the carbohydrates, which I want later on in the evening. That's a strategy that I use. Why? Because you can then bump up your fiber, still keeping your fuller for longer. And the result of that, then you're getting in one more vegetable for the day, uh, hopefully organic. And following that, then alcohol is a carbohydrate, okay, because it contains sugars. And that's important. Knowing and understanding what foods contain what, and knowing that alcohol is a carbohydrate, but just taking a carbohydrate out and either at breakfast or at lunchtime and having reduce a training session where you you're going flat to the mat, high intensity, mixing it with resistance training. Why? Because the likes of resistance training have the added advantage over cardio alone because they tear more muscle fibers. When you tear more muscle fibers, you burn more calories. That's going to cause and reduce down the effects of the alcohol and as effects if weight loss or is one of your goals. So then to get to what beverages I would consume, I would typically be a man who would have a, a lighter beer. Maybe why? Because I am intuitively... Um, doing up the numbers in my head yes. with calories and following that then I wouldn't go straight for the shots but um, I suppose I would be fond of either a spirit why because again that's lower calories and then having it with a soda water and that would be a way of hydrating a little bit as well as diluting a little bit of the alcohol of, a, of the spirit either it be vodka or whiskey would probably be my preferred <laughs> beverage if you're asking <laughs> whiskey put hairs in your chest yeah. No, same as me, yeah, because it's very same as me. And if I'm, because you know, everyone's everyone's going to drink. That's you know, drinking is it's good, all fun, it's good crack, and everyone does it. So it's about I try to get my clients to do the same as that. If they're going to go on the rip there and the start of the night there is to, you know, that morning, you know, stick to a high protein, high fiber meal, and even if and in the next day the same, like stick to your high protein, high fiber meals, keep you fuller. And I get some some of my clients, I might even get them just to push that food in the forward, and you know. So they're kind of saving. It's because it's kind of saving money, isn't it? But for me, and the very same as you, is I don't drink often at all now. It's, but last time I went out was a few uh, weeks ago here, and I tried this 
I tried this new beer, and again, carbohydrates isn't bad. There's, there's no bad food, but it was this low carb beer, and um, it was nice stuff. Now it was only it was only ninety calories per m, um, ninety calories per per m um, per bottle. Whereas, uh, you know, if I get a thing of cider there, I think a cider could have two hundred and twenty calories, and this whole yolk only had ninety calories. And could you not like after I think it was like three or four beers, I was you know I was on the floor like, and um. I don't know whether it was because, you know, less carbohydrates means, you know, to, alcohol is going to your bloodstream quicker. But after like three or four schooners, I was on my knees like, and it was the cheapest night I ever had. Whereas if I was to have cider, just say, or, you know, have a, a high, a fairly full beer with 200 calories of Heineken there, I could have just say 10 beers and I mightn't feel it. Whereas this all, you know, keeping the numbers down with the list low calorie beer and had, a, had the best night I ever had. I don't know why it was. It's a funny one. It's like, you know, with the lower car beer. What's your, what's your thoughts, yeah, no, thoughts on that? Uh, my thoughts on that were maybe, yeah, depending on what food you had that day, that could be, or whether you're dehydrated or not. And that's why it's important to have food to absorb some of the alcohol before you go in a night out. And that may have been one of the reasons why you were intoxicated at an earlier stage <laughs> during that night alone <laughs> your cheap date that night <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was what what would be your main protein sources because that's another big thing is protein is as i was saying before like i've got so much of my female clients who like never knew what pro like i didn't know what protein was until like four years ago and um i'm a big believer in that it all comes back to school education like you know that's I feel like when I was in school there, we got taught so much about, you know, the Vikings and dinosaurs and Henry the Third and all this other stuff. But I was never kind of taught about, you know, a protein or a carb or a fat. And I was never taught about what a calorie deficit was. And I was never taught about calories. And then you could even go as far as like, I was never taught about like how to manage your states and your emotions and how to be positive and all this kind of stuff. And I think all this stuff comes back to, a school age where I feel like that the basics there they need to go back because everything comes back from kids isn't it you you see if you have your kids there or my, my kids we'll teach them a lot of stuff whereas you could have another Sally on the road who are millionaires and they're getting brought up getting spoiled so there's you know they don't learn as much as our kids I think for me it's it's my big belief is that school education all that stuff should be taught at a younger age like it shouldn't take me you know, 30 years to learn what a protein is. It shouldn't take my female clients 30 years to understand how to eat and train around their menstrual cycle. It shouldn't take 30 years for them to understand that, you know, high protein diet and resistance training is benefited for them. Like, so it's, to me, it's a, it's a, I'm quite passionate about like that. This stuff should be taught at a younger age. The education system isn't set up to have life skills learned currently, particularly in Ireland, I can't speak for anywhere else, but the fact is that if we were to go through our whole lives and only in our mid-30s to learn specific foods about how they may benefit us on a regular basis, it's, it's flawed. And that goes back to the education system. But what we can't do is we can't change the past, but we can change the future. So from here on in, everyone that we come into contact with, it's, it's our responsibility to tell them to make sure that you are learning that you and firstly first to learn a little bit more than you know but to put into practice the information that you know so paul we can call a spade a spade most people know what foods to eat but they mm. don't do it 
That's the God honest truth. Most people know they shouldn't be having chips and burgers and chocolate. But the thing is, they do. Most people know they should be training. Most people know the type of training that they could do, but they don't do it. And you could say that that's what keeps us in a job, but it's really the simple things that people are not doing. They're not getting 10,000 steps a day. They're not knowing and understanding what foods they should eat. They're not knowing the amount of protein they should consume for their current height, their current weight, which is typically 1.5 grams to 2 grams per protein, especially if you're training four and plus four plus five times a week, more than 30 minutes daily. The fact is, people I'm making a noise there in my house. Apologies, you hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm living on my own. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was like, why is that? How's hot? But um, to get back to my point, that pe- people don't put into practice the basic things that they should. And no, that they do know. They know the foods to eat. They know the training that they should have. And they know deep down that organic food is better than compared to conventional. But the choice is still up to you every single day. You can stay in the bed. You know nothing ever gets done in the bed. You can eat highly processed foods and say, I know I should start eating a little bit healthier. You can lie down on the couch and even after work and say, you know what, I should be doing this type of training. We should never got you anything because you only get what you deserve. And the whole idea is I'm a firm believer in motivation and is comes from within. You can read a book or listen to a tune and that only lasts two minutes or three minutes or however long the duration it took you to read the book or listen to that YouTube um, playlist. But remember that you decide what gets done every day and also what doesn't get done every day. So make sure that you're doing things that you know that benefit you and listen to the likes of, we call it, people that have beneficial information. So it's yourself, Paul, and putting it into practice then is the other thing because if you don't put something into practice, how can you improve at it? Okay, I wasn't ever as good at my nutrition knowledge when I first started off. I wasn't ever half as good at the likes of my training as it was when I first started. I started training when I was seven, 18, I suppose. I could start tra- training. But when I hit, I suppose, about 25, I wanted to get serious on it. And I wanted to change my body composition. And from that then, I, I, I challenged myself. And I ended up trying to, and going into and entering into a bodybuilding competition. But that's just something that I, I didn't enjoy. And it's something that, why I didn't enjoy it? Because I didn't feel like that was something that I wanted to do long-term. And for me to take the bull by the horns and walk up on stage and getting rated between zero and 10. And some chap puts up a number board and puts up five. And do you know what I mean? For me to say all the hard work that I'm after putting in, you're going to have to put up a five, George, a five, you're giving me a five. <laughs> I turn around then and walk back down my tighty whities and go, Jesus Christ, that, that, that hit like, and it's kind of going, I didn't enjoy it. That's fine. If people want to do that, they want to do a bodybuilding competition or strip down to the, one of their leanest physiques far, um, for a show, that's absolutely fine, but it just didn't serve me. It's something that I learned from, and uh, this is another point that people should try things, and when you try them, you learn whether that's something that you want to do long-term or whether it's something that didn't you didn't enjoy and that you can now take off your list that it's done, and that could be a certain type of training, whether it's hit-style training that, that, that could be, it be CrossFit, it could be resistance style training, it could be running, it could be cardio, you name the training, you name the diet, you name whatever it is. But what I want people to do is I want people to try things. I've tried every different type of training. There is sports training. I've tried every different types of diet there's out there. Keto, vegetarian, vegan. But the best diet 
is the one that suits you and that you can do long-term, hands down, eating local, eating fresh and eating organic has got to be the gold standard. It's the pyramid, local, fresh and organic in that triangle. It's a good period to have. I guess that's sort of back to keto again. I wouldn't mind them um, talking a bit more about keto because again, it's um, it's one of these things that all over lately, it's just people are, you know, people are really the way social media's gone now is, um, you know, people is is gone. I was talking to um, Shane there about this the other day there, Shane Walsh. Shane like, Walsh. Yeah, and he was just because he's my course too. We're just on about there like how it's, it's gonna be a bullying platform is you know obviously. You got these lads with the old little old blue tick there, and they're trying to get as much followers as possible, and they're doing the old, you know, selfie tops off. And then you have, you know, they're all kind of, I've seen it, they're all kind of picking at each other about, you know, naming them shame and then keto this and paleo and all this kind of stuff. But be good from here, your point of view, keto, like, you know, because there's, there's all this, we kind of tucked on it before, but, you know, there's all this stuff about, you know, ketones and your body using fast for a few so it'd be good to have your view on that whole how it all works a few point on the keto diet yeah no the keto diet is is a diet that i have tried and i have got into ketosis but there is a conversion period where the body is switching over its fuel source because the body is designed to run off carbohydrates but it can run off fats as well okay protein is used for maintaining your muscle and regulating hormones so that's not involved in any energy production so with the likes of <clears throat> switching over your body from carbohydrates, okay, because when we consume carbohydrates, it gets converted in the body into glycogen. And to break that down, I, I try to put it as simple as we possibly can. Carbohydrates get converted into glycogen and they go into your muscles. So the main advantage of having a little bit of muscle anywhere in your body or muscle tone, whether you're a woman or a female, is the fact that you're able to eat more carbohydrates and store more fuel. Okay, but, but the thing is when you store excess amount of fuel, it get, ends up used and stored as body fat. But then we can deplete our glycogen stores in our muscles, okay, which will reduce numbers on a scale, which make people straight away when they go into ketosis go, yes, I've just, I've lost weight. This is working for me. I'm going to do this now, winning. Okay, so they take out carbohydrates completely. And then what happens then is you, your body is able to use fat as a direct fuel source. But having high, firstly, high inflammatory foods, Okay, so if you're having a high percentage of your diet in oils and that can aid in poor skin health, can also have negative effects on your heart. Following that, you're on to a higher meat source, a higher meat-based diet, such as steak, such as mince and chicken can also be up there. And what are the foods that they highly recommend are avocados. Okay, avocados would be the one of the ones that I would recommend people to consume a little bit more of. But what happens is... When you want to go out then for beverages and drinks with a friends, whether it be someone's birthday, whether it be New Year's, the whole idea of it is you come out of ketosis and that makes it unsustainable for people long term. Okay, the whole idea of people trying to be healthier and trying to be fitter is finding something that works for them. And a balanced diet, if you take out any one of the three main macros, I don't think it's sustainable. And that's maybe my personal opinion. Your body can run off fats. You can lose weight on it. But the majority of people that are losing weight, it's the fact that they have lost weight due to water weight and eating only uh, or taking out and reducing down yourself to either some protein sources. And it's actually most people that say they're doing the keto diet are not on a keto diet. They're on a high fat, high protein diet. To be actually in ketosis, you need to have your diet up to 60%, if not 70% fats. So that means low protein, high fats very low carbs and low carbs is below 50 50 grams or below 
Okay, that'll be two servings of porridge, or that would even be two servings of potato. So a porridge and a potato throughout the day, one potato serving, that'll have you your max. And remember that that would mean that you'd have to be incorporating in a low carbohydrate from vegetables and fruits, because that's what vegetables and fruits are. They're carbohydrates as well. So that's another reason we can get back to that point is that negative on thought of, oh, maybe I shouldn't have carrots, maybe I shouldn't have parsnips because they're high carbohydrates. Carbohydrates from vegetables and fruits never made anybody fat. Who the hell ever put on weight because they had too many carrots? They put on, they had, put on extra uh, Christmas weight because they had too many parsnips. It's chocolate. It's drink. It's alcohol. It's a lack of movement is people's problem. But keto is something I don't recommend to the general public. Why? Because for the majority of people, it only will suit people who are extreme athletes who are dialed into their nutrition and are able to understand their controlling of their fuel sources using a high fat diet, which I don't recommend to the general public. No, that's hundred percent. I'm the very same. I, I now I do have I do have one client who um, she's type two and into resistance. So like just for the likes of them kind of people, you know that low GI count is is, is good. Like buffered. Yeah, like I couldn't do keto because you know I like spuds and rice and ice cream and stuff. And um, even for that, the the clients I do have who have type two, like I don't I don't say go keto. It just says like try lower your carb a small bit, you know, lower your GI count. And the same with uh, PCOS women too is um, I try have them on a high protein, you know, high fat kind of, you know, low GI count. Just helps with the insulin resistance. But like, again, keto and paleo, it's just, there's no diet one. They, we have the perfect diet just about managing what works for you. And I guess if you look at then, the big thing is then, with activity levels, what do you find is good? You know, obviously for, I play rugby. So for me, like I like to have, you know, protein and fat before a game because it releases a bit longer. So what's your whole thought on just a female's training, whether it be running, whether it be resistance training, CrossFit, what is a good fuel sources in types of food if they're post or pre-training? The, what I would recommend to people, especially if they're playing a sport-based individual, is complex carbohydrates. Oats is a real simple one. Whether you put it in a smoothie or you have it in overnight oats, depending on what time you're training at, it's highly recommended to have a slow release of energy. What gives the body energy? Protein doesn't give the body energy. Protein maintains the current muscle that you have. Fats typically aren't used as the body's first source of energy. It's carbohydrates. So you need to eat carbohydrates, okay? In certain amounts, I recommend, this is my sweet spot, but you have to find, or the individual has to find their sweet spot. It's about two hours before a game. I still play GA at an intermediate level with a hurling club base back home. And having complex carbohydrates, whether it be oats, or it could be brown pasta or brown rice, okay, is something that I highly recommend with a slow release of energy. But when people are consuming those carbohydrates, it's also important to have a protein source protein doesn't isn't used in any production but it'll also maintain the current muscle that you have throughout that duration of that activity and having i would have low fats just in my personal opinion in that main meal but would have also a green a light green such as spinach might in, increase the likes of the absorption of vitamin c sorry sorry have a green that has vitamin c in it and is also iron high and high in iron spinach would be a winner right there and beetroot is another thing that can increase the body's 
production of energy. Why? Because increased blood flow. When you've increased blood flow, you've increased oxygen getting to the muscles. So there's a lot of people playing sports-based individuals here in, in Ireland playing either Komogi or they're playing hurling and they're taking beetroot shots. What you don't get in a beetroot shot is the added advantage of fibre in your diet. So I always try and maximise the benefits of what I do. Instead of taking a beetroot shot, you could eat the whole beetroot. Steam it. If you ever haven't tried a steamed full beetroot, I highly recommend it. Put it in right beside your potatoes or roast it, dice it up and slice it then put it into salads your next day. Roast four or five of them, just like a potato. And have them cold, heat them up again in a pot, in a pan. They're delicious and they have that, as I said, added advantage of increasing the blood flow in your body, which can improve your endurance throughout that game, which is advantageous to anybody who plays or carries out any training. Really? So the question, another, another big question is, I, I've actually never, I've never heard this mentioned at all, but kind of foods that are good for you know, sex hormones, uh, you know, foods that are good for erections and libo and all that kind of stuff. What, what, what are good foods for that whole scenario? Because again, I know this is something that is not really spoken much when it comes to food. But I guess again, it's 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 just I'm really big on this because my whole you would have seen my whole thing is is with like training nutrition is like you know improving confidence, motivation, self worth, sleep, stress, and sex. And sex to me is like everything we do, you know, whether it be eating healthy, you know, have a better life, you know, want to lose weight, feel dressed. It all comes down to you know sex and you know feeling attractive. What are like brilliant food groups for that all? Just sex drive and all the rest. Well, firstly, I, I, one that maybe might be commonly mentioned, I'll go to first, is the likes of vitamin A. Vitamin A is a vitamin found in orange foods, such as carrots, but also found in like squash and pumpkin that are in season now. And having those things can change your skin at a cellular level. People who have better looking skin are much more attractive. So that's something that I would firstly, before hormones are introduced in it, skin complexion. 
most people are looking for an individual who would have good looking skin and vitamin A is something that we don't have enough of because we're not eating enough foods that contain it. Okay. Following that, then you have, um, it's a fat soluble vitamin. So having a fat with it is advantageous to increase the absorption of that vitamin, but to increase your, we'll call it libido for both men and women. There are a couple of different vegetables, garlic and the likes of another one would be asparagus. Okay. Typically, there's the reasons for that behind that is the fact that it contains certain amount of, again, iron, iron increased the oxygen production. So when there's more oxygen going, where does oxygen, what is oxygen carried in? It's carried in the blood. So increased blood for males typically leading to uh, an erection is going to be advantageous for the male, but it's also similar um, when it carried out in a woman. So increased iron is increased energy levels. So we can go also in the beetroot. So beetroot, asparagus and garlic there's um i have a study i was only reading it I, I like to read kind of nutritional bits as well it's the fact that garlic also does the same effect but it's due to the iron so if people are low in iron it could be as a result of low libido so increasing your iron is advantageous not only to energy levels but also your sex drive as well that's unreal <laughs> I, always, I, I always thought it was bananas there I got you. I got you a lot of bananas there, but I didn't. I didn't even. Um, I didn't even link asparagus. But I guess I know people listening to this are going to say when they have asparagus that their pee stinks afterwards. What is the reason for this? It's right. Well, just to give you the, the uh, stat on that, there's actually two different people <laughs> of mind of information. There's two <laughs> different types of people in this world. There's people that don't have that effect on their body when they consume or on their urine after they consume asparagus. And there's people, the other people that do. And then the second individual is that there are people that can smell it and there's people that can't. So that's due down to its chemical um, composition. To tell you exactly what one, I actually, that's something I don't actually know specifically, but it's some compound that's found in asparagus that changes and alters the smell of um, the individual that consumes that vegetable. Man, isn't it? It's always one, I guess. It's always one. And then another one then, I suppose, is um, carrots and eyesight. Is there a link? Is that a waste sale or is that an actual true that carrots do affect your eyesight? No, they, they benefit your eyes, yeah, because vitamin A is um, something that is can improve the likes of your vision. And that, that's 100%. That's a, that's, a, that's a known fact. Vitamin A, good for your eyesight. And that's a general rule of things that look like the body part that are linked with their benefits. So carrots, just take the example, if you cut a carrot in directly into a ring, you take it up, it looks like an eye. If you look at, uh, we'll call it an asparagus, it looks like an erect penis. If you were to look at the likes of a bean, which is good for your kidneys, there's, there's numerous different vegetables that have health benefits linked with exactly what, what they look like in their shape. When we come back then to liver, another big question I want to ask you is like protein. So we all know the benefits of protein. And I do get my clients to supplement protein powder if they are can't get it from other food sources. But what would be your obviously be good to what would be your top protein sources, like you know, plant based or meat based, and obviously the advantages of protein as a whole food. Yeah, no, it's a really good question. And it's something that, again, with education is important. 
my diet being plant-based, the two main protein sources that are complete, there's different, there's incomplete proteins and the complete proteins. So often mentioned straight off the bat, I'm just going to get rid of this myth straight away, that peanut butter or nuts are a good source of protein. They do contain protein, but if you were to look up the nutritional value of them or even turn around the likes of your nut butters, um, there's more fats found in nuts than there is protein. So that's important to know, especially if weight loss is your goal. I'm a firm believer in having healthy fats in your diet, but it's important to know that there's no point in choosing something that's not as high advantageous a protein source as opposed to, we'll call it an egg. Okay, an egg is a complete protein, contains all nine essential amino acids. Okay, there's 20 amino acids that are needed by the body. Okay, there's so many of them that can be made by ourselves, but then the others, the others, the nine essential ones we have to consume from our diet. Okay, and an egg is a complete protein, as well as that it has healthy fats, and especially when you get them organic, you have the likes of that antioxidant I previously mentioned, lutein and zeaxanthin, super beneficial for improving your cognitive function, thinking clear, and as well as that, there's vitamin A. It's nature's multivitamin is what an egg is. And I'm a firm believer in then getting an organic oil because you get a higher nutritional quality of vitamin A because whatever the animals are eating off the land or especially the organic grain, that's advantageous then to the end consumer ourselves. And other protein sources then on a plant-based diet are tofu and tempeh. Tofu and tempeh contain all nine essential amino acids where they are lower than compared to the likes of meat or fish. So that's something to note as well. But I train a couple of vegans, I train a couple of vegetarians, and that's something that they have in their diet. And the added advantage of plant-based tofu or tempeh protein sources is fiber. Fiber is linked with so many different benefits. Increased mood. Why? Because 90 and 95% of your serotonin is produced in your gut. Okay, so if you want to be feeling better, okay, I highly recommend you to add in highly fi high fibrous foods to your diet and adding in the likes of a tofu or tempeh and making sure you get those organic. Why? Because due to the fact that when you see the likes of tofu and tempeh it, and not, you don't get it organically, it can be grown in poorer countries such as South America or the likes of, yeah, South America, one of the poorer countries that would grow the likes of those soya beans which is what tofu and tempeh are made from and it can be also grown with the likes of genetically modified seed which can be sprayed which means it can tolerate spray but it means the weeds around it can uh, are killed and the bean that has been genetically modified to withstand that chemical is able to still produce the bean that then harvested that that's then end up being made into tofu or soybeans so i highly recommend things to be gotten organically and which, which easily can be like your soup values or your large stores woolies wherever you're based right now in the uh, southern hemisphere can easily get tofu or tempeh and if not you can order online it comes straight to your door so there's no excuse there and one of the reasons why i have a preference towards that is for the fiber i was saying so other uh, protein sources that i recommend people to consume on a regular basis is the likes of hemp seeds Okay, hemp seeds are advantageous. Why? Because they're a complete protein and they also have healthy fats. Okay, so adding those into either a vegetarian or a more plant-based diet is something that I have in mind and as well as people that I train, mixing it in with to bump up your protein and to have your healthy fats. So it's, it's kind of a matching game and combining the likes of amino acids to build up what you need to get the likes of a more leaner and toned physique and regulate your hormones on a plant-based diet. Then switching over to other protein sources on a plant-based diet are beans, lentils, uh, peas. Those are all protein sources, but they're not a complete protein source. So then you have to combine them with the likes of a grain, such as rice 
or oats or potato that we touched on has a certain amount of protein in it and then it makes a complete protein okay that matches all the the things together it's just like take example your fingers when your fingers go together it makes the joint together so a seal of all nine essential amino acids when you compare things together and that's how vegan or vegetarians or people on a plant a complete plant-based or a strictly plant-based diet are able to get their protein sources from so then the other protein sources which you can consume to hit your protein targets are the likes of red meat such as steak or mince you can have lamb you can have pork you can have uh, ham is another one, chicken, fish, and eggs that we touched on already. Preferences towards all of those being organically. Um, why? Due to the fact that when you choose a meat source that has been grown or, or, or reared organically, firstly, it's the feed. Okay, again, the feed is important because what they eat, we are the end consumers of, but it's also when you have a, an animal that's raised as organic, it doesn't have antibiotics. So in organic production, animals cannot have antibiotics used in their life cycle. So if they have, if they are, or they do have to consume for whatever illness they occur in their life, it's taken out of the herd and they're non-organic and they can be sold as non-organic. So that's something to note because when those animals consume or are given antibiotics, okay, we consume that meat, as I said, and that negatively affects our gut. And the same with the vegetables. It's all about looking after your gut because the gut, there's more microorganisms found in your gut than there are cells in your body. Okay, and they're talking about it in, in books now and in talks, it being not only the second brain, but the first brain because the brain is, as I said, linked with the gut. It's called the vagus nerve. So anything that we consume has a direct result on the way you look and the way you think and the way you feel because that controls everything. Your gut is actually in control of everything. So what you eat, is so important and unfortunately what you eat is so important because the fiber is what feeds and fiber is an undigestible carbohydrate that we get from the likes of vegetables and meat doesn't have that so that's one of the reasons why it would lean towards people having higher plant-based foods in their diet and especially organically and what's your um i know for me when i have just say for me red meat is a funny one for me because i find if I have red meat compared to fish or chicken, red meat doesn't seem to sit well in my gut. And it just seems to take, and I know red meat takes a long time to break down, but if I have just say, if I have a bit of steak there at, let's say, five o'clock in the evening, I'll go to bed with cramps in my stomach. Whereas if I have chicken or fish, I'm completely fine. Now, if I have that steak at just say 12 o'clock in the daytime, I'll be fine going to bed. So for me and my gut, it seems that red meat doesn't really play apart for me what do you reckon is the reason between the white meat and red meat i can only put it down to as you touched on the fact that it's harder for the body to digest and that's where you have to know what suits you and you being the most important person to look after you understanding and knowing that you've tried it and had it later on in the night and it affects your sleep that's very very important for you to rectify that because sleep is so important because sleep regulates your hormones it's part of the day part of the the 24-hour cycle where your body recovers and if you're not having a, a good night's sleep it's going to affect your hunger hormones and there are two main hunger hormones that regulate are regulated when you sleep okay the two main hunger hormones are leptin and ghrelin Okay, how do you remember those is how I do in a way is the fact that ghrelin, it sounds like hunger. So ghrelin is your hunger hormone and leptin is the other one. So 
when you're not <laughs> sleeping or you get an adequate amount of sleep, your ghrelin is increased. So that means the next day, if you get a poor night's sleep, um, and I'm a million miles off bed here, and now we're passing 10 o'clock, it's actually passing <laughs> bedtime. <laughs> but that, that's going to be increased tomorrow. So I'm much more inclined to eat and grab something that I wouldn't have chose typically if I had a better night's sleep. So if people's sleep is of poor quality, it's something to look into because your eating habits are going to be affected by that. So however many of you have ever had a bad night's sleep or has been up all night with worrying about something and the next day you want to eat the house out of it, that's the science behind it. Your ghrelin has been increased due to poor sleep the night before or on a regular basis. So if, you're, if your sleep isn't right, due to the foods you're eating, you need to sort that out because that negatively affects what you choose and what you eat the next day. Jeez, you're, you're a bag of knowledge, Coleman. Jeez, it, <laughs> this, um, jeez, this has been a great podcast. I was mean, absolutely about a million gems here. And I reckon like people that will listen to this are going to get, are going to get some great knowledge. Um, I guess, where can people find you? Um, people- the best place, I suppose, Paul, for people to... Find me is uh, on Instagram uh, as Coleman Power Getting the Fitness. I'm also on TikTok, which is a bit of fun, a lot of dancing around and just putting the same point across, but over in a kind of slightly more humorous manner. And I have a weekly podcast that I'm sure I might have yourself on there in the near future. Um, so. It's Coleman Power Organic Fitness. So, so all those <laughs> social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and I suppose TikTok and probably the best place to connect with myself. But Thanks so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. There was a bit of banter along the way too <laughs> in this podcast. No, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure to have you on there. So hopefully we'll see you again in the future. We will. Thanks, buddy, for having me on.